I've learned that people suck, but I also think that there's hope for them. Hi, I'm Michelle Aronson, and welcome to True Stories at Work, where we discuss the best things about working in human resources. The people, the stories, and the things that happen at work that we don't even know about. I'm a recovering HR executive, certified coach, and business school professor who knows that the best stories happen at work. From heartbreaking to heartwarming, from hilarious to outrageous. Today, you get the pleasure of meeting Cynthia. Cynthia's full of laughter and song at work while waiting for our interview to begin. Even when she says she won't sing, she can't help herself. She's a performer. Do you want to sing something, William? <laughs> no, not really. Okay. For once. <laughs> it's like, ah! There we go. Oh, yeah. I, you could not help yourself. You can't help, you can't help yourself. Cynthia is a preacher's kid with brilliant and natural abilities to see the best in others, even in the midst of the worst employment situations. She has witnessed an incredible range of workplace transgressions, yet remains focused on helping people to see that they can be better and all hope is not lost. I really like people, so I'm always looking for the best in people, but I have, like, built a lot of cynicism um, about people. Um, But I, I feel like I've ebbed and flowed and I've finally come back to having more faith in people. On today's show, you will learn about Cynthia's journey into HR. We're going to talk about vulnerability and the idea of how making and owning your mistakes will make you more respected by your team, not less. You'll hear a story about a CEO at a startup who screwed up, owned up, and you'll learn how it all ended up. At the end, you will get to hear a workplace confession, something that didn't make it through the doors of HR. This one might give you pause before you grab for that next pot of office coffee. So let's get started. Hi, Cynthia. Hello. I am honored to have you as my first guest on the podcast here in my studio. I'm super excited to be here. Um, All giddy. I want you to just spend a minute and just tell us a little bit about your background and experience. We'll start there. Okay. Well, I have been in HR to some degree for, oh, I hate to admit this, more than 15 years. Um, that kind of dates me. But I guess I started in more of a generalist fashion today. You know, that's known as HR business partner. So I would mm-hmm. say I kind of grew up as an HR business partner. I got a taste of employee relations because I worked for a, a small business, um, supported like 17 locations and they had no HR representation. They had someone who called herself an HR manager, but she kind of did all the paperwork. Um, And all the managers had no idea the kind of autonomy that they really could leverage. And the employees just ran the company. They just did whatever the hell they wanted to do. So I started, you know, building relationships with these managers and leaders. And, you know, that kind of went, it it triggered something in me. I was like, oh, this is exciting. I love this. So my job at that point was a combination of recruitment and ER. 
And then I moved into an actual ER role. And so that kind of moved me into, you know, performance management and, and leadership development. And so that whole org development piece, really just developing people became something that I really enjoy. So I want to go back. Um, when you were a kid, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, what was that passion? A performer. <laughs> okay. And I still want to be a performer. But I do get to add elements of performance into whatever I do. And it's interesting because I didn't, I never knew really what I wanted to do outside of performing. I didn't know that HR was a thing, if that's possible. I went to college right away after high school, but it was part-time. And then I stopped and then I would start again and stop and start. And I didn't know. I was just kind of flitting around life and just trying to have fun. And I needed a job where I had flexibility. And so I was an actress and a bartender and I did all that. But I, you know, I found this this job at a payroll processing company and I was the, the front desk person. And people loved me for whatever reason. My manager was like, hmm, I think you should, you know, get into payroll doing payroll for for companies. And while I didn't really enjoy payroll, I was kind of good at it. But then what I really liked about it was the relationships that I had with these people. So all these customers, I had like 250 customers that I would process their payroll. And just getting to know these customers, these clients was super exciting to me. And so as I did more payroll, I learned more about benefits. And I mean, it's history, rest is history. How is working in HR different than what you imagined it to be? Oh, well, I guess I don't know that I imagined anything because I didn't know that I would end up here. But since I started in HR and where I am now, I it's very different because, you know, back in the day, HR was, you know, we were paper pushers, you know, we were like the personnel department. And that was so sterile and and check the boxy for me. And HR has just changed so dramatically. And it's all about people. It should be about people. It's human resources. And I like where it's come from and where it's going. Just the whole strategic and relational piece of it, it, it just has made all the difference for me. So, um, but that's very different from what, you know, I knew HR to be back when I started. Mm -hmm. What do you think you learned the most about people by working in HR? Oh, I've learned lots of things about people. I really like people, so I'm always looking for the best in people. But I have, like, built a lot of cynicism um, <laughs> about people. Um, but I, I feel like I've ebbed and flowed, and I've finally come back to having more faith in people and realizing that People aren't just trying to be assholes on purpose. I think that there's this total lack of self-awareness and lack of emotional intelligence that causes people to just be jerks. But when they start to realize that it's more about like, you know, listening and helping to un understand themselves first, you know, first and foremost, but really seeking to understand other people, I think that it makes all the difference and it, it causes people to invest more in the relationships and try to communicate more effectively. So, you know, I've learned that people suck, but I also think that there's hope for them. I used to call Cynthia the minister to the unemployable <laughs> because she is a preacher's kid and she would see the best in absolutely 
the next person who was going to get fired would walk into her office and she was like finding salvation in them, trying to teach them hope and trying to inspire them, really. Yeah. And what really pisses me off, this is my most annoying story about working with Cynthia. She fired somebody and she's like dropped dead gorgeous, right? And the guy apologized to her for her having to fire him. I've fired a lot of people. Nobody's ever said, oh, I'm so sorry that you had to do this. I'm sure this is really hard for you. (laughs) Do you have any workplace pet peeves, like things that you wish people would never do? For me, it's heating up fish in the microwave. (laughs) Would you like to share that story? (laughs) Michelle hates the smell of fish in a microwave. Who doesn't hate the smell of fish in a microwave? And I love fish. And I brought fish one day. And Michelle was like, I will fire you. I would have. eat up fish in the microwave and I did. She was so mad. Like, it's hilarious how mad you were. <laughs> I hate when people throw their food in my trash can. Okay. Like their lunch, leftover yeah. lunch. Because yeah. that's just like, oh, I don't have to sit there and smell that all day. That's disgusting. Well, it's almost like thing. fish it's in the microwave. Yeah, almost yes, like fish in the there's microwave. A, there's yeah. a takeaway here. <laughs> a self-learning moment for exactly. you, Cynthia. I agree. <laughs> Tell me a story about somebody who demonstrated good leadership skills. Um, have you had a good leader? I guess I should have started with that question. <laughs> I've had I've had several good leaders, okay. and you were one of them. Um, oh my God, I'm I not. Would, this is an unpaid. I podcast know. Interview. I, I know. I should, probably shouldn't give you kudos like this right here, but it's true. Like you, I consider you a mentor, and I really appreciate the way you lead and a few of the things about what inspire what inspires me when I see it in you is your sense of humor is like 10. I love a leader with a great sense of humor. They don't take themselves too seriously. And so you definitely embody that as well. Um, someone who listens and and tries to understand the full extent of what's happening and not just hearing one side. And the biggest thing, because, you know, you didn't always listen that well, but you but you let me fail. And someone who is funny, who who owns their own faults and who allows people to mess up and, you know, helps them to get back on their feet. Okay, so what are we going to do moving forward to, you know, so this doesn't happen again? And how can I help you? How can I support you in that? And you did that very well. It might have been because you were particularly strong-willed. So even when I told you no, (laughs) you were like, hey, I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm like, well, I'll be here when you come back and we'll fix it. I think there is some truth to that. And Like, for me, being at work has to be fun. I mean, it's very hard work. Mm -hmm. Working in HR is like being (laughs) sometimes on the front lines because you're just getting all the problems all day long and things that are above everybody else's sort of skill set. If you had a magic wand, what leadership or workplace behavior misconduct would you fix? I would fix the lack of self-awareness and vulnerability that I see in in leadership today, in people in general, because I mean, I think everybody is potentially a leader because either you're leading yourself or you're leading others. So I would fix that. And how does vulnerability show up at work? Like, what do you want to see more of? I think that authenticity and, you know, I don't think that people just should just come and be crazy and cry and tell all their business. But I do think that, that some level of sharing who they are authentically I think emotion at work is like a bad thing to a lot of people, but 
but I think it's a great thing. And it's how you manage that emotion that's important. But I think it's an important factor that a lot of leaders are missing. They're sort of guarding themselves and, you know, protecting them, themselves and their personal identity and personal lives. But I think bringing that to to the workplace and in the relationships in the workplace is helpful because people trust people that they like and they trust people who are real with them. And if you can bring your true self into your relationships, then people will know. It invites them to be authentic and, and vulnerable as well. And I think that's just a way better foundation for a better workplace because the relationships are better. We're humans, right? Yeah. And humans connect. Yeah. So if somebody's listening and they're like, I don't even know what being vulnerable means and I'm mm -hmm. a boss and how do I do that? Like, what are one or two things that you, a boss of yours has done that is a good example? You know, asking the right questions and telling your own truth versus, you know, you're having a conversation with someone and there's a problem. How do you handle that problem? It's listening to the person, finding out what happened. And so maybe telling a personal story or admitting when they screw up, you know, something like that. I think someone just telling a story about themselves or admitting their own failure is huge because this perception of per per perfection is just not reality, you know, and if people are working with their leaders and they think that, oh, they're perfect, they've never screwed up, then that makes that person feel like, oh, I can't screw up, I can't mess up, and they're going to mess up because they're all anxious about it. You know, I, I just think giving a piece of themselves, sharing truth um, about their own personal failures is an example. Do you have a good story about where a leader was vulnerable and it made a difference? I, I have quite a few stories, but a, a very recent one, my current um, boss, the CEO of this company, can be difficult. And he definitely has a vision for things. He doesn't always communicate as effectively. But you know, the thing I really, really love and appreciate about him is that when he's called on something, it might take him a minute to process it. But he takes a step back and he looks at himself. He looks inside and he really considers, okay, how am I contributing to this miscommunication, this problem, what have you? And there was a, a particular situation that happened recently where we were in a, a meeting and we're on Zoom and he was very upset at something that had happened with someone on the team and the client was upset and, and he was just, he was very angry. And I remember him saying something to the effect that if this happens again, I am going to lose my shit and I'm not going to be mad about it or sad about it. And much of our staff is, is very early in their careers. They're very young. They're very impressionable. They haven't worked anywhere else. It's their first job, most of them. And usually no one says anything. They just take it and they suck it up. I've been in quite a few positions where I've had leaders that were horrible and I always felt like I was walking on eggshells. And I know that that's what these folks were experiencing. One brave soul spoke up and he brought it to me and he said, I don't know what to do with this, but this is how I felt. I felt like this is wrong. And I said, you know, thank you for sharing. And, you know, we had a conversation about it. And I asked him if he would be comfortable having a conversation with the boss. 
And he said, I really would love to, but I don't want to do it alone. And I said, I'm happy to be there. So I set it up and he did a really nice job sharing his thoughts. And my CEO was a little defensive um, during certain parts of it. But what he did with what, that. What did he say? What did the employee say? I'm just curious. He said, I'm a man of color and I realize that I have privilege. He said, but for you, you have the power. And I don't know if you realize what your power can do. You are a white man who's got, owner of this company. You clearly have money. You have power. And what you say really affects people. And the owner shared what he intended. He owned it right away. And he said, I understand. You're right. I shouldn't have said that. He apologized. But then he took it a step further. And I had to jump off the call. I didn't say much at all. And I said, I had to go because it was supposed to be a 45-minute conversation. It ended up being double that. And I had to leave. But I found out after that they kind of got into it a little bit more. But he came to the the larger group again at our next meeting, didn't let too many days go by, which is good. And he shared not who brought it to his attention and not exactly the, the details behind it, but he said, I said this in a meeting and I was called out on it. And it took me some time, but I, I thought about it and this is what I was trying to do and this is what I'm going to do in the future and I need to be better. And it was just so inspiring for a leader at that level to to really just show up and I was just thoroughly impressed and I talked to the team afterwards and asked them how they felt about it and you know they were generally positive but it was just so inspirational that a leader would do that and so few do because they yeah. feel like they have to look powerful and they have yeah. to look like they know all the answers and that they're in control and that's how they derive their leadership yeah. but what you're saying is you can get it from just the opposite you can yeah. get it from a huge public blow up and a a bit of thoughtful reflection and understanding yourself and apologizing yeah. that's like even better maybe that's a shortcut <laughs> because people see you differently you yeah know? yeah and it was a heartfelt apology and and you know he shared a lot you know he said i have been thinking about this company every minute of every day for the past three years or five years i mean it's a startup so you know it hasn't been in, around very that long but he said you know the passion that i bring to this work and to this company just sometimes gets i mean he's just over enthusiastic and it kind of shows up in certain ways, including frustration and, and all of that. So, you know, just sharing that and understanding, you know, I try to teach the team that assuming positive intent is, is a really great place to start. Cynthia, I have a question from a listener and they're asking what's the best way to recognize their staff? Well, the best way is is individual. You know, it depends on how that person likes to be recognized and that you need to get to know your people and understand what it is, how they like to be 
communicate it with and how they like to be recognized. And you might have to ask them questions and just getting the, the little deposits that you make into the bank with your people every day, you know, just walking in and just saying hi, saying thank you, these very small little things. And you'll start to uncover what it is that each person likes. It's not going to be the same for every person. It's a lot of work initially because you're getting to know people, but a true, authentic, good leader does those things and it makes all the difference. I agree. I agree. Um, any questions for me? Oh, God, she's going to have one. Well, I know this. oh, my God, <laughs> that'll teach me. What is it? Um, you've created this whole environment to share about leadership and HR and stories. And what has driven you to this point? And what do you think you're going to do with it in the future? Like, why? Why do this? Well, I teach. So I've learned a lot about the influence that stories have uh, when I'm teaching. So I would go to work all day and then I'd show up at school and then I'd be like, this week at work, this happened. And I was just using that as a way to demonstrate the concepts from the text and to make them real. Most of the people in my HR classes wanted to get into HR, but they were not working in a functional mm -hmm. uh, role. So I would come across my students years later and they'd be like, I still remember that story. And certainly it was always anonymous and I never shared names, but mm -hmm. you know, they really did remember the, the concepts because it was in the form of a story. And so a podcast is mini stories. So I'm just going to speak to some of my favorite storytellers and get some feedback from people who listen to these stories and just see where it goes. But I feel like there is some value to getting stories from people that have been leaders for a long time, from HR people, from the real world. So that was my idea. That's where I'm going. That's awesome. I think it's really helpful for people who have been in the industry, especially for a long time. I and mean, we've seen a lot. And like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, I've grown kind of cynical in a lot of ways, but I think this is, it's refreshing and it gives hope. And so I appreciate, you know, highlighting stories and the opportunity to just kind of share some of the stuff. And this is a really good format to, to be able to do that. I'm super excited. And I also want to have fun. I mean, as a recovering HR person, right? Like, um, you know, I sit down with people and within the first five minutes, I'm like, okay, tell me your stories. Yeah. So. Thank you, Cynthia. You're my favorite guest so far. So far. <laughs> and probably, Until I get trumped by someone else. <laughs> no, probably forever. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your gifts and you just, you're very talented and I know, um, I know you've made a difference. So thank you. Right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. We've all done something bad at work, but here's your chance to confess. From small wrongs, like borrowing office supplies to simplify your back-to-school shopping, or snacking on a coworker's lunch, to the major workplace sins, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll type. Here is today's Conscious Clearing Confession. Zoe is my best friend, and she's a brilliant engineer. The problem with brilliant people at work is that if they're not challenged, their minds are free to come up with ways to torment those around them. 
Zoe is particularly skilled at this, and she's also a little obsessed with April Fool's Day. So every year when I worked for this particular employer, I would get to work early plotting on what I would do to all the people that worked there. And one day in particular, I had a whole series of events planned, so I'll tell you only of the first. (laughs) So uh, there was going to be a very large meeting on this particular day. And so I got in before anyone else and decided that I would make the coffee for this meeting so that it would be ready and people would get there early looking for their coffee ready to go. So uh, knowing that typically people will take the pot on the outside of the maker first, I filled it with all the pepper I could find in the office and then brewed the coffee. And in the second pot that was brewing, I found and added all the salt that I could find in the office, thinking that they would all take the first pot of coffee and pour it and potentially notice that there were black pepper flakes floating in the coffee and maybe not drink it or maybe not notice it and recognize that there was something wrong immediately, but they wouldn't suspect it in the second pot because they couldn't see anything floating. And they didn't. And they were dismayed, and I heard laughing and yelling, and I felt good. Stay tuned. There are more workplace confessions from Zoe, including one where coworkers retaliate for the incessant abuse. Have no fear about her ruining your coffee at work, as she is now work from home, so we can safely sip. Now clear your conscience by submitting your workplace confession at physicsatwork.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. If you work in HR and have a story to share, please visit my website, physicsatwork.com slash podcast. Stories are what people remember and how we connect. So please share yours with me. Thanks. Make sure to listen to the next episode of True Stories at Work to answer the two eternal questions, how to prevent yourself from ending up at the EEOC and why you should not have sex with coworkers. Thanks. A haiku poem for Cynthia. Cynthia knows that vulnerability does improve leadership.